Al-Bashir, your source of Islamic literature, presents Al-Akhirah, the afterlife, part two, narrated by Imam Anwar Al-Awlaqi. So you're going in with your spouse and visiting the different areas of Jannah. So far we have visited quite a lot of areas in Jannah. And remember, all what you are visiting is yours. You're not trespassing. This is your property that you're visiting. You've seen all of the big things. You've seen uh, the, your palaces. You've seen the rivers. You've seen the springs. And now you're kind of noticing the, the fine details. See, in the beginning, uh, you're rushing through. You're so happy. You're so excited. Maybe you're not paying attention to some of the fine details of what is in there. But now you're getting more settled into it. And you're noticing more of the subtle details that are out there. So now you're even paying attention to the uh, furniture. You're paying attention to the uh, utensils that you're using. You're paying attention to the soil. You're paying attention to the leaves of the trees. Everything is new for you. Just like a baby when, uh, when a child is born, uh, and as soon as they start seeing and opening their eyes, they keep staring at everything. And everything is new for them. You swing anything in front of their eyes, they're going to follow it. Because it's a new experience for them. And now you are in Jannah and everything is new. Everything. Everything is a pleasure. Everything is a new experience. You want to learn more about what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you in this land of fun and pleasure. Uh, you're sitting with your spouse in this wonderful room on these uh, beautiful cushions and you've already went through the fabric and touched it so now you're looking at some other stuff. And you're presented with drinks and now you're noticing the utensils that uh, these drinks are presented in and you're watching the plates and you see that they're made of gold. Pure gold. And it's gold that you never seen something like it in dunya. And it's a pleasure just to look at. And then you are served the next day in different utensils. You're expecting to see the same thing, but now you're getting something new. Now you're being served in cups of silver. But this is some special silver. Silver that you've never... You know that it's silver. You recognize that it's silver, but it's different. Because it is transparent silver. It's a see-through silver. Now, how does it work out? How can you imagine that? Allah Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَيُطَافُ عَلَيْهِمْ بِآنِيَةٍ مِّن فِضَّةٍ وَأَكْوَابٍ وَأَكْوَابٍ كَانَتْ قَوَارِيرًا قَوَارِيرًا مِّن فِضَّةٍ قَدَّرُوهَا تَقْدِيرًا And amongst them will be passed round vessels of silver and goblets of crystal. Crystal clear made of silver. They will determine the measure thereof according to their wishes. So it is crystal clear. It is transparent, but it's not glass. It is silver. So you're discussing this with your wife and you're so amazed. I mean, how... Just look at this cup. Look at how transparent it is and it is silver. So your one of your servants will tell you, well... Uh, let me take you and show you something that is even more impressive. And they will take both of you to two special gardens that belong to you. Huge gardens. One of them 
everything in the garden is made of gold. And the other one, everything in it is made of silver. So you go to this garden of silver and you see the trees are silver. The palaces are silver. The cups are silver. The plates are silver. The tables are silver. The floor, the tile on the floor is made of silver. And it's all looking different because of the different decorations on it, but it's pure silver. And now you move on to the next garden. Everything is made of gold. The plates, the cups, the trees, the furniture, it's all gold. So maybe your wife would tell you at that moment that I want this one for me. You take the silver because gold is haram on men. So you end up trying to convince you you take the other one. But then the guide says it's halal for both of you. If you want me to give you something new, you're seeing something new. And it's a combination of excitement, fun, pleasure, tranquility, peace. Every good feeling that you could describe in dunya, you'll have it in there and more. So it's a combination of physical and psychological happiness. Rasulullah says in Bukhari, إِنَّ فِي الْجَنَّةِ قَيْمَ مِنْ مُجَوَّفَةٍ عرضها ستون ميلا في كل زاوية منها أهل ما يرون الآخرين يطوف عليهم المؤمنون وجنتان من فضة آنيتهما وما فيهما وجنتان من كذا من, من ذهب آنيتهما وما فيهما صلى الله عليه وسلم says and there are two gardens the utensils and the contents of which are made of silver and two other gardens, the utensils and contents of which are made of gold. Nothing will prevent the people staying in the Garden of Eden from seeing their Lord except the curtain of majesty over his face. Part of the enjoyment of the people in Jannah is the social aspect and the social life in paradise. So you're not staying there alone, going with your spouse and visiting areas and you're doing this on your own and you're spending all of your time together until you get tired of each other. No. There is a very lively social life in Jannah. And the people of Jannah, they meet together, they get together, they spend a lot of time together. And if you want, you could make for yourself or have for yourself the objective as soon as you get to Jannah to know everyone in Jannah. And to meet everyone in Jannah. And there's no limits on it. If you want to go and meet Rasulullah you'll be able to do so. What will prevent you from going and seeing Muhammad and spending a year or so with him, one-on-one, discussing whatever you want with him, asking him about, uh, you were reading, for example, in Sirah, and he came to, through two different stories, and you want to know which one is authentic, go and ask Muhammad which one really happened. And you can make an appointment with Muhammad sallallahu for a year. I mean, why would Rasulullah sallallahu not give you time when you're part of his ummah? If you want to meet with Musa alayhi spend a few years with him, chatting about how things were in, the, in his time. If you want to talk with Adam alayhi and, and ask him, how did you make it in dunya when you were the first person to come here? Nobody met you in dunya, nobody welcomed you. You came here and you established everything for us. We came into dunya and had people welcoming us and meeting us, but you came here and you were the first person to be here. Tell us how it was like in your days. 
Were there any dinosaurs living around? You could do whatever you want in Jannah and talk about whatever you want. I mean, sometimes, uh, I don't know if this is something that concerns uh, the brothers and sisters here, but in the U.S. I get asked a lot about dinosaurs, especially after the movie Jurassic Park. Everybody was wondering about what is the Islamic position on dinosaurs. Well, we could talk about this with the early humans who lived on this world and ask them, did you find any fossils? Were there any dinosaurs living around you? What was going on? And because there is no time limit on anything, you could take your time in doing everything. You could do whatever you want. And you're going to meet with people and spend as much time as you want with them without any limits. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions to us some of these conversations that will happen in Jannah. And I'll recite to you the ayat. First of all, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and this is a key thing to remember. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَنَزَعْنَا مَا فِي صُدُورِهِمْ مِنْ غِلٍ إِخْوَانًا عَلَى سُرُرٍ مُتَقَابِلِينَ And we shall remove from their hearts any lurking sense of injury. They will be brothers joyfully facing each other on thrones of dignity. The reason why there is so much fun involved in meeting others and talking with them is because you have no ill feelings towards anyone. Everyone loves everyone else in Jannah. Rasulullah says their hearts will be like the heart of one man. There's no different hearts, everyone thinking in a different way, having different feelings towards others. Rasulullah said it. He stated it that they will all be as the heart of one person. That is how close to each other they would be. So by just seeing your brother and the sisters meeting their sisters is a joy in itself, even before the conversation starts. Why? Because all of these feelings that our hearts are filled with in dunya and as a Muslim you're trying to fight and get out of your heart, and it's a struggle for all of your life, you will be released from that on the Day of Judgment. It will be taken out. In dunya, as a human being, built into our system is jealousy, hatred, uh, envy. These are natural human instincts. As a Muslim, you have to fight a jihad to get rid of them. So it's a struggle. And some people are better than others in how far they could go. With Rasulullah uh, we know that Jibreel السلام, and another angel, they came down to him and when he was a young child, they opened up his heart and they took out from it a clot of blood. And they said, this is the share of shaitan. We're taking out any traces that will give shaitan influence over you. It's all taken from your heart. So the heart of Rasulullah is pure and shaitan does not have access to Muhammad Every one of us has a qareen. A qareen means a companion. Every one of you here has a shaitan appointed to you. And the job of that shaitan is to mislead you. You have an individual shaitan going with you wherever you go. Rasulullah says, Me, my qareen became a Muslim. This shaitan that is appointed to be with Rasulullah became a Muslim. So Rasulullah was relieved from that struggle. In Jannah, we will not have to suffer from all of this. Because sometimes 
you know that you should love your brother, but deep in there, there's something wrong. And you keep on fighting this feeling, and it's an uncomfortable feeling. But in Jannah, you will love everyone, therefore you would desire to meet them and spend time with them, and it won't be, you will not feel any uh, boredom. All of the hatred will be taken out. Some of the conversations that they will have. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I'll read the translation. فَأَقْبَلَ بَعْضُهُمْ عَلَىٰ بَعْضٍ يَتَسَاءَلُونَ قَالَ قَائِلٌ مِّنْهُمْ إِنِّي كَانَ لِي قَرِينَ يَقُولُ أَإِنَّكَ لَمِنَ الْمُصَدِّقِينَ أَيْذَا مِتْنَا وَكُنَّا تُرَابًا وَعِظَامًا أَإِنَّا لَمَدِينُونَ قَالَ هَلْ أَنْتُمْ مُطَّلِعُونَ فَاطَّلَعَ فَرَآهُ فِي سَوَاءِ الْجَحِيمِ قَالَتَ اللَّهِ إِنْ كِدْتَ لَتُرْدِينَ وَلَوْ لَا نِعْمَةُ رَبِّي لَكُنْتُمْ مِنَ الْمُحْضَرِينَ أَفَمَا نَحْنُ بِمَيِّتِينَ إِلَّا مَوْتَتَنَا الْأُولَى وَمَا نَحْنُ بِمُعَذَّبِينَ إِنَّ هَذَا لَهُوَ الْفَوْزُ الْعَظِيمُ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Then they will turn to one another and question one another. A speaker of them will say, I had a companion on earth who used to say, Are you indeed of those who believe? So this friend of his used to make fun of Islam. And then he would say, when we die and become dust and bones, shall we indeed receive rewards and punishments? So this is a person who disbelieved in the resurrection. So he will say, he would say, would you care to look? And he would look and see him in the midst of the hellfire. This man will look. By the way, the people of Jannah, they will have access to the people of hellfire. They will have windows that show them what's going on in hellfire. And that is something that will add to their pleasure. Because they will see and appreciate what Allah has saved them from. So this man is saying, I had a friend in dunya who used to make fun of Islam. He used to make fun of al-ba'ath, resurrection. Let's take a look at him. So he will see him in hellfire and then he will speak to him. And he will say, by Allah you almost ruined me. You were going to mislead me. Had it not been for the grace of my Lord, I should certainly have been among those brought here. And then he will say, Is it the case that we shall not die except our first death and that we, should not, we shall not be punished? Verily, this is the supreme achievement. And the people of Jannah will laugh at the people of Hellfire because the people of Hellfire used to laugh at them in this world. وَنَادَى أَصْحَابُ الْجَنَّةِ أَصْحَابَ النَّارِ أَن قَدْ وَجَدْنَا مَا وَعَدَنَا رَبُّنَا حَقًّا فَهَلْ وَجَدْتُمْ مَا وَعَدَ رَبُّكُمْ حَقًّا قَالُوا نَعَمْ فَأَذَّنَ مُؤَذِّنٌ بَيْنَهُمْ أَلَّعْنَةُ اللَّهِ عَلَى الظَّالِمِينَ the companions of the garden will call out the companions of the fire. And they will say, We have indeed found the promises of our Lord to us to be true. Have you also found your Lord's promises true? They shall say, Yes, but the crier shall proclaim between them, The curse of Allah is on the wrongdoers. Third conversation. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ أَجْرَمُوا كَانُوا مِنَ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا يَضْحَكُونَ وَإِذَا مَرُوا بِهِمْ يَتَغَامَزُونَ 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Those in sin used to laugh at those who believed, and whenever they passed by them used to wink at each other in mockery. And when they returned to their own people, they would return jesting. And whenever they saw them, they would say, Indeed, those are truly lost. They're making fun of the believers. But they had not been sent as guardians over them. But on this day, the believers will laugh at the unbelievers on thrones of dignity. They will command the sight of all things. Will not the unbelievers have been paid back for what they did? Everything that the non-believers did to the believers in dunya, they will be paid back. So these are some of the conversations that happened between the people of Jannah and the people of Hellfire. And again, you'll have a chance to see whatever you want in Hellfire, to speak with whomever you want, and this will make you appreciate what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you. In Jannah, there is no worshipping of Allah. You are not commanded to pray to fast, to pay zakah, to do anything. You're not going to struggle to do anything. The period of worshipping Allah is over with. The only form of worship that you will be practicing in Jannah will be tasbih, glorifying Allah. Rasulullah says, يُسَبِّحُونَ اللَّهَ بُكْرَةً وَعَشِيًّا Rasulullah says in Al-Bukhari that they would praise Allah, they would glorify Allah in the morning and the evening. But the scholars say, هَذَا لَيْسَ مِنْ عَمَلِ التَّكْلِيفِ الَّذِي يُطْلَبُ لَهُ ثَوَابٌ مُنْفَصِلٌ بَلْ نَفْسْ هَذَا الْعَمَلِ مِنَ النَّعِيمَ الَّذِي تَتَنَعَّمُ بِهِ الْأَنْفُسِ وَتَتَلَذَّذُ بِهِ They say that this is not something that is requested from them. It is something that they do naturally. And it's a form of entertainment and joy for them to do. يُلْهَمُونَ التَّسْبِيحِ كَمَا يُلْهَمُونَ النَّفَسِ They will be given tasbih like they used to breathe in this world. So glorifying Allah will be their breathing. It's something that is effortless. They will be able to do without any effort. It's something natural that is coming out of them. So they're not breathing air, they're breathing tasbih. And that's the only form of ibadah or something that resembles ibadah that will exist in Jannah. Otherwise, it's a vacation from everything else. The people of Jannah can ask for whatever they want. No restrictions made. And Rasulullah mentions to us an example of this, and it's in Bukhari. كَانَ يَوْمًا يُحَدِّثُ وَعِنْدَهُ رَجُلٌ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْبَادِيَةِ أن رجلا من أهل الجنة استأذن ربه في الزرع فقال له ألست فيما شئت قال بلى ولكني أحب أن أزرع Rasulullah was speaking and there was a Bedouin present 
Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said, there is a man in Jannah who will go to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and say, oh Allah, I want to farm. He said, I want to cultivate the land. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will ask him, are you not living in the pleasures you like? Why do you want to farm? You are living in gardens of bliss. Why do you want to go into agriculture again? I mean, this is a vacation for you. Why do you want to go back to work? But this happens to be a person who was a workaholic in dunya. He loves his work so much. And he wants to work in Jannah. Some people, they love their work. They're not forced to go to their work. Some people, they just love it. Even if they're not paid, they're going to work. So this is somebody in Jannah. He wants to farm the land. He will say, yes, but I like to cultivate the land. فَبَادَرَ الطَّرْفَ نَبَاتُهُ وَاسْتِوَاءُهُ وَاسْتَحْصَادُهُ فَكَانَ أَمْثَالَ الْجِبَالِ فَيَقُولُ اللَّهِ دُونَكَ يَبْنَ آدَمِ فَإِنَّهُ لَا يُشْبِعُكَ شَيْءٍ صلى الله عليه وسلم said, When the man will be permitted, he will sow the seeds, and the plants will grow up and get ripe, ready for reaping, and so on, till it will be as huge as mountains within a wing. So the man will throw the seeds in the earth and it will immediately grow, the fruits will grow and it's already harvested and it's as the harvest is like mountains within a blink of an eye. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will tell him, O son of Adam, take, here you are, gather the yield, nothing satisfies you. The son of Adam is always asking for more. So this Bedouin who was listening to this, he told Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, On that the Bedouin said, this man must be from Quraysh or he must be among Al-Ansar. Because we the Bedouins, we don't want to farm in Jannah. He said nobody would ask to be a farmer in Jannah, except if he is from Quraysh or Al-Ansar. Because the Bedouins, they're not into agriculture. The Bedouins, they travel uh, with their sheep or camels uh, from one place to another following the rain. So this, this Bedouin was kind of surprised that there's going to be somebody in Jannah asking to cultivate land. So he said, this man must be from Medina, because the people of Medina, they used to be farmers. Uh, Rasulullah he laughed. Rasulullah laughed when the Bedouin said that. In another hadith in Tirmidhi, Rasulullah says, المؤمن إذا اشتهى الولد في الجنة كان حمله ووضعه وسنه في ساعة كما يشتهي. Rasulullah says, if someone in Jannah wants to have children, the pregnancy and the birth and the growth of the child will be immediate as he wants. Now there's a difference of opinion on what this hadith means. There are some scholars who say that in Jannah, the, obviously the spouses will enjoy each other, but there is not going to be any children involved. And uh, they say that the meaning of this hadith is, if a person wants that, it will happen, but they will not want it. Because it says here, وَلَكِنْ لَا يَشْتَهِي But they will not ask for it. And this... Uh, eliminates a lot of confusion that could arise. Uh, a lot of times when I talk about Jannah, brothers and sisters would ask 
can this happen, can this happen, can we do this, can we do that? For example, somebody in a lower level, can they ask Allah to take them to a higher level? If the answer is yes, then how far could they go? This eliminates a lot of the confusion in this area. Because it states that if a person wants it, it will happen, but they will not ask for it. There are things that you will not ask for in Jannah. For example, you're not going to ask to be on the highest level of Jannah because you know that somebody else deserves that place. You will be in a state of gratitude. And you will be in a state of love of Allah. That you are not going to ask for some things. In fact, if you are requested to go to a lower, a lower level, you would be very happy to do so because you are having so much fun already. And we talked about this man who's the last person to get into Jannah. In one narration it says, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives him ten times the world and everything in it, his two wives of Al-Hur Al-Ain will come and visit him. And they will tell him, praise be to Allah who brought you to us finally. He will say, when he hears that, and when he sees the two wives which he is given, he will say, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed me and has given me what he has not given anybody else. So he is so happy with what Allah has given him, he thinks that he's the best. He doesn't know that there's levels way, way up there. He's so happy with what he has. So there are things that will not be requested. And this can bring together the concept of whatever you want will be given to you. And we can also eliminate the, the possibilities of things that will not be asked. Rasulullah says that there is a suq in Jannah. Suq is a marketplace. But the marketplaces in Mecca. And keep in mind that a lot of the descriptions of Jannah were given in terms that were understandable by the first generation of Muslims. So many things in their environment that they know, things in Jannah were associated with things in their environment which they already know. So Rasulullah said, for example, to the man who has given a camel in the sake of Allah, Rasulullah told him, you will be given 700 camels in Jannah because of this act that you have done. If this person was living in a, in a country and he gave a cow, does that mean he will be given 700 camels instead? No, he will be given 700 cows. So Rasulullah was telling them that there is a suq in Jannah. And the suq, which means marketplace, wasn't only a place for trade in Mecca, but it was also a cultural center. The poetry and the competitions in language and in speeches, the, the cultural center for the Arabs was also the marketplace. Suq Aqav, the Majanna, they used to go there for trade, for business, and also the poets would go there and they would speak in public, they would give public speeches in those places. And Rasulullah it is mentioned in the hadith that he used to go and make da'wah in the marketplaces. He would go in and he would say, قُولُوا لَا إِلَهِ إِلَّا اللَّهِ تُفْلِحُوا this hadith was reported in a marketplace. That's where it happened. Because this is where the people gather. The people in Jannah will have similar suqs. It will be a suq. But the intent of it is, is not to do business. It is for the people to come together and meet. It is sort of like the downtown in the US or the city center. Uh, what you call here the city center. Even though it's a business district. But people go there at night to have fun. They go to meet each other. They go to restaurants. That's where they hang out. So the suq would serve the same purpose in Jannah.
Rasulullah says in the hadith narrated in Muslim, إِنَّ فِي الْجَنَّةِ لَسُوقًا يَأْتُونَهَا كُلَّ جُمُعَةِ فَتَهُبُّ رِيحُ الشَّمَالِ فَتَحْثُ فِي وُجُوهِهِمْ وَثِيَابِهِمْ فَيَزْدَادُونَ حُسْنًا وَجَمَالًا فَيَرْجِعُونَ إِلَى أَهْلِهِمْ وَقَدْ ازْدَادُوا حُسْنًا وَجَمَالًا فَيَقُولُ لَهُمْ أَهْلُهُمْ وَاللَّهِ لَقَدْ ازْدَدْتُمْ بَعْدَنَا حُسْنًا وَجَمَالًا فَيَقُولُونَ وَأَنْتُمْ وَاللَّهِ لَقَدْ ازْدَدْتُمْ بَعْدَنَا حُسْنًا وَجَمَالًا In paradise, there is a street to which they would come every Friday. The north wind will blow and would scatter fragrance on their faces and on their clothes and would add to their beauty and loveliness. And then they would go back to their family after having an added luster to their beauty and loveliness. And their family would say to them, By Allah, you have been increased in beauty and loveliness after leaving us. And they would say, By Allah, you too have also increased in beauty after us. So they would go to the suq and they would come back better than when they left. And they will come back and see their families better than when they left. Jannah, it only gets better and better by the passage of time. Hellfire only gets worse. You will be with your family, in the privacy of your mansion, enjoying a drink and some fruits of Jannah, talking with your family, and then you will hear an announcement inviting you to the city center or the downtown or the souk, whatever you want to call it. So you'll all rush, you and your family, and you'll go there and you'll find all of the people of Jinnah are gathered in one place. This is a, a very important announcement. And not only will you be gathered in Jannah, but you will also see that all of the people of Hellfire will also gathered in one place in Hellfire. And in the area separating Jannah and Nar, the angels will bring with them death in the form of a ram. So death will come in a physical form. You will recognize that this is death. Rasulullah says, Everyone will extend their necks up. It's a very exciting moment. And, and it's a surprise. So Rasulullah says, فَيَشْرَبُّون Meaning they're all paying attention. They're attentive. فَيُوضَعُ بَيْنَ الْجَنَّةِ وَالنَّارِ Death will be brought between heaven and hell. And then the angels will take a knife and they would slaughter death. They would kill death. Meaning death will cease to exist. And then they will make an announcement and they will say, O oh people of paradise, خُلُودٌ فَلَا مَوْتٌ You will live for eternity and there is no more death. وَيَا أَهْلَ النَّارِ خُلُودٌ فَلَا مَوْتٌ And O oh people of hellfire, eternity and there is no death. Rasulullah says, if there is any moment of excitement that will cause a person to die because of how happy they are, it would be this moment for the people of Jannah. And if there is a moment of sorrow and despair that would cause a person to die, it would be this moment for the people of Hellfire. This will be the best moment for the people of Jannah and the worst moment for the people of Hell. Because the stress of feeling that there is an end to this will be over. We are here for good. We are here for eternity.
There will be nothing to threaten us anymore. We will enjoy this bliss and nothing will take it away from us. And with the people of hellfire, that will be the ultimate despair because they will realize that they have no hope. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لا يذوقون فيها الموت إلا الموتة الأولى ووقاهم عذاب الجحيم. Nor will they taste death except the first death, and he will preserve them from the penalty of the blazing fire. خالدين فيها لا يبغون عنها حولا. They will live there for eternity. After this. culminating moment where all of the people were gathered all of the people of Jannah were brought together to witness the death of death they will make a final dua because this is their settlement up until this moment you're still going around in Jannah you're trying to get to know it uh, there's excitement you're visiting you're still not settled yet Now you're finally going to be settled. This will be your home. See, when you travel to your new place, even though you go there with the intention of settling, but in the initial stage, you're still like a traveler. You still didn't find a house to rent. Uh, you didn't buy a car yet. You're trying to get settled. Uh, now you've been around in all of these tours in Jannah. You've seen it. You know what belongs to you. The fear of death is gone. Now you are finally settled And they will make a final salah or dua. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, دَعْوَاهُمْ فِيهَا سُبْحَانَكَ اللَّهُمَّ وَتَحِيَّتُهُمْ فِيهَا سَلَامٌ وَآخِرُ دَعْوَاهُمْ أَنِ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, This will be their cry therein. Glory to thee, O Allah. And peace will be their greeting therein, and the close of their cry, the final word, will be, Praise be to Allah, the cherisher and sustainer of the world. Alhamdulillah. Akhiru da'wahum, and alhamdulillah. The final word that they will say is, Praise be to Allah. Brothers and sisters, just imagine that you are there. And you are going through that moment, and now you are saying, Alhamdulillah, this is where I will be for eternity. They think that they have it all. They think that they have the best of Jannah. But they don't realize that there is a surprise that is waiting for them. They are so happy and they don't think that there is anything that can make them happier. I mean, they feel that they hit the roof. That's it. There is nothing further. But there is something better. In Muslim, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa says, إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَقُولُ لِأَهْلِ الْجَنَّةِ يَا أَهْلَ الْجَنَّةِ فَيَقُولُونَ لَبَّيْكَ رَبَّنَا وَسَعْدَيْكَ وَالْخَيْرُ فِي يَدَيْكَ فَيَقُولُ هَلْ غَضِيْتُمْ فَيَقُولُونَ وَمَا لَنَا لَا نَرْضَى يَا رَبْ وَقَدْ أَعْطَيْتَنَا مَا لَمْ تُعْطِي أَحَدًا مِنْ خَلْقِكَ فَيَقُولُ فَيَقُولُوا أُحِلُّ عَلَيْكُمْ رِضْوَانِي فَلَا أَسْخَطُ عَلَيْكُمْ بَعْدَهُ أَبَدًا Rasulullah says, Allah would say to the inmates of paradise, O dwellers of paradise, and they would say in response, 
At thy service and pleasure, our Lord, the good is in your hand. He, Allah, will say, Are you well pleased? They would say, Why should we not be pleased, our Lord, when you have given us what you have not given to any of your creation? He would say, May I give you something even more excellent? They would say, Oh Allah, what can be more excellent than this? When they say there is nothing better than this, what could there be better than what you have given us? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, I shall cause my pleasure to be upon you, and I shall never afterwards be annoyed with you. I will give you my pleasure. Bidwani. And this will be a moment in which the psychological happiness of the people of Jannah cannot be described. When they know that Allah, their beloved, is pleased and happy with them. When they know that they have pleased Allah and that they have made Allah happy with them, what is a better thing for them? If you love someone in dunya, if a wife loves a husband and the husband loves a wife, you care a lot about what they think about you. And you always want them to be happy because you're very concerned about them. They're very dear to you. You're concerned about what your children think of you. And the children are concerned of what the parents think of them. Now your love of Allah in Jannah, after you see what Allah has given you, will be so huge and great. That when Allah tells you that I am happy with you, that will take you to a level of happiness that you have not experienced yet in Jannah. So they will think that now there is nothing better. But still there is something better than that. It only gets better, dear brothers and sisters. In Sahih Muslim, Rasulullah sallallahu says, إِذَا دَخَلَ أَهْلُ الْجَنَّةِ الْجَنَّةِ يَقُولُ اللَّهُ تَبَارَكَ وَتَعَالَى تُرِيدُونَ شَيْئًا أَزِيدُكُمْ فَيَقُولُونَ أَلَمْ تُبَيِّضْ وُجُوهَنَا أَلَمْ تُدْخِلَنَا الْجَنَّةِ وَتُنَجِّنَا مِنَ النَّارِ قَالَ فَيَكْشِفُ الْحِجَابِ فَمَا أُعْطُوا شَيْئًا أَحَبَّ إِلَيْهِمْ مِنَ النَّظَرِ إِلَى رَبِّهِمْ عَزَّ وَجَلُ Rasulullah says, When those deserving the paradise would enter into paradise, the blessing and the exalted Allah will say, do you wish me to give you anything more? Is there anything else you want? They will say, Oh Allah, you have brightened our faces. You have made us to enter paradise and saved us from hellfire. There is nothing else that we want. So then Rasulullah said, Allah would lift the veil from his face. And of the things given to them, nothing would be dearer to them than the sight of Allah, the mighty and the glorious. There is nothing that they would enjoy in Jannah, like the enjoyment and the pleasure and the happiness of seeing the face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The face of Allah that has been veiled from all of His creation, and no one was able to see, they will see it in Jannah. And the biggest deprivation of all is for the people of hellfire not to be able to see their creator Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Seeing Allah in dunya is impossible. Musa alayhi salam, Allah spoke to him. So Musa being a human being, he always wants more. He said, oh Allah, I want to see you. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told them, O Musa, you will not be able to see me. But look at the mountain. If the mountain stands in its place, I will reveal myself to you. So Allah revealed himself to the mountain and the mountain just burst and exploded and disintegrated into dust. Musa salam, by just seeing the mountain fell unconscious. What would happen to him if he saw Allah? In dunya we don't have the ability, our bodies are too fragile to sustain the beauty and the glory of seeing the light of Allah. But Allah in Jannah, خَلْقًا آخَرَ إِنَّا إِنْشَاءَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about the women of Jannah, they were created a special creation. And in Jannah we'll have a different khalq. So we, our bodies will be stronger and more able to enjoy the pleasure of Jannah. There is so much pleasure in Jannah that our fragile bodies will not be able to sustain. They, they, our bodies will just uh, wither away and die. And we talked about, for example, with the men, Allah Rasulullah says in marriage they will be given the strength of a hundred men. It's something incapable for uh, men of this world. And we said that men of this dunya compared to the men in the akhirah are impotent. And this applies to everything. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give the people of Jannah stronger and more able bodies for them to be able to go through this pleasure. It's a very high status. And the greatest pleasure of all is seeing the face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, the people of the lower levels of Jannah will get to see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala once a week on every Jum'ah. And it would coincide with the time of Salat al-Jum'ah. Jum'ah is the most special day. It is the greatest day of the week. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has reserved it for the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Rasulullah says that the nations before us, they got it wrong. Al-Yahud Saturday and the Christians on Sunday. But Allah reserved this for us and He guided us to the right day. This was the day in which Adam was created. It's a special day. And it is the day in which the day of judgment will occur. It will be on a Friday. And it is mentioned that in this gathering place for the people of Jannah in Jum'ah, in Friday, you can't just walk into this gathering place. Seats are reserved. It is by reservation. The angels are going to escort you into this meeting place and show you where to sit. And you will have this session, this meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you go in and you wait there and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will appear to you. But the closer you were to the Imam on Jum'ah, the closer your seat will be to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the earlier you are to Salat al-Jum'ah, the closer you will be to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this meeting. And you will meet with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah will talk to you, you will talk to Allah, and then in the end of the meeting, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will ask you what do you want, make a wish, everybody in there, tell me what you want, I'll give it to you. And all of them will ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala what they want, and then they will go back home. This is for the lower levels of Jannah. For the higher levels, Rasulullah says they will meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala twice every day. That's for the highest levels. We basically ended our tour of Jannah, but we have a few very important topics left. We have a few topics left. I want to talk about the people of Jannah. And then I also want to talk about the comparison between uh, Jannah and the dunya, which is, I consider to be a very important uh, issue. Uh, I'll talk about uh, the latecomers to Jannah, the ones who uh, came from hellfire. Rasulullah says in Bukhari, 
يخرج قوم من النار بعدما مسهم منها سفع فيدخلون الجنة فيسميهم أهل الجنة الجهنميين. رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم says in Bukhari, some people will come out of the fire after they have received a touch of the fire, changing their color, and they will enter paradise. And the people of paradise will name them al-jahannamin. Comes from Jahannam, the people of hellfire. So these are people who will come out from Jahannam. They will burn in Jahannam. And then they will enter into Jannah. And they will be labeled by the people of Jannah as the people of hellfire. Al-jahannamin. Now, one brother I remember, he asked me a few days ago about this. And this stigma that the people of uh, Jahannam will have in Jannah. I mean, imagine you're going around and people are pointing to you saying, this guy came from hellfire. What an insult. Uh, this is not discrimination because there is no discrimination in Jannah. There are no uh, second class citizens in Jannah. They will not be stripped of any of their rights in Jannah. Uh, they will have what everybody else in Jannah is having. For the following reason. We kind of now think that it's an insult for them to be called the people of Jannah because of our, our human nature of being unforgiving. We are unforgiving. If somebody makes a mistake 10 years ago, hey, even after they make Tawbah, you made a mistake. And we'll keep on, even though we are human beings and tend to forget, but we don't forget these bad things. A person might have repented, became a perfect Muslim, excellent Muslim, we still bring up their past. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is forgiving and merciful. These people, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala punished them in hellfire. But when they enter into Jannah, the past is all over with. Now Allah loves them. And they are His people in Jannah. And He will be pleased with them. And He is happy with them. And their past is closed. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will also make you like that in Jannah. You will be forgiving. Because you know that you have committed sins and mistakes. And you know that if it wasn't for the forgiveness of Allah, you wouldn't have made it here. So when you are calling them the people of hellfire, that's just a way of knowing them. It's not an insult to them. It's not a degrading term in any way. Because everyone in Jannah is in the same boat. They're all human beings. They all sinned. There was just a different variation in how much they sinned. And subhanAllah, the process uh, of these people coming out of Jannah is just amazing. Uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa says in Sahih Muslim, أما أهل النار الذين هم أهلها فإنهم لا يموتون فيها ولا يحيون ولكن ناس أصابتهم النار بذنوبهم أو قال بخطاياهم فأماتهم إماتا حتى إذا كانوا فحما أوذنا بالشفاعة فجيء بهم ضبائر ضبائر فبثوا على أنهار الجنة ثم قيل يا أهل الجنة أفيضوا عليهم فينبتون نبات الحبة تكون في حميل السيل the permanent inhabitants of the fire are those who are doomed to it and verily they would neither die nor live. So this is talking about the permanent residents of hellfire. But then, the people whom the fire would afflict, there are some other people, the people whom the fire would afflict temporarily on account of their sins, he would cause them to die till they would be turned into charcoal. Then, 
they would be granted intercession and would be brought in groups and would be spread on the rivers of paradise and then it would be said, O inhabitants of paradise, pour water over them. Then they would sprout forth like the sprouting of a seed in the silt carried by a flood. So these are the sinners among the believers. They are in hellfire and they're coming out in groups according to how soon their terms would end. So they would come out in batches, in groups. And they will come out as pieces of charcoal. They burned in hellfire for so long until nothing was left except this charcoal. So they will be brought in this form like seeds. And these seeds will be spread over the rivers of paradise. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will tell the people of Jannah to pour water over them, to help in their growth. So the people of Jannah are helping out their brothers. And then they will grow because Jannah is life. It gives them this new life. And they would grow like a sprout would grow in the stream. And Rasulullah said like a seed would grow in the silt carried by the stream. So a man who was present, he said it appears as if the messenger of Allah lived in the steep, lived in the outside. Because in Mecca there is no vegetation. So this man said Rasulullah must have lived outside of Mecca to have this expertise and experience. And Rasulullah did have that because he was a shepherd. In another hadith, Rasulullah says, فَقَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ حَتَّى إِذَا فَرَغَ اللَّهُ مِنَ الْقَضَاءِ بَيْنَ الْعِبَادِ وَرَادَ أَنْ يُخْرِجَ بِرَحْمَتِهِ مَنْ أَرَادَ مِنَ النَّارِ أَمَرَ الْمَلَائِكَةَ أَنْ يُخْرِجُوا مِنْ أَهْلِ النَّارِ مَنْ كَانَ لَا يُشْرِكُ بِاللَّهِ شَيْئًا مِمَّنْ أَرَادَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى أَنْ يَرْحَمَهُ جُودٌ فَيَخْرُجُونَ مِنَ النَّارِ وَقَدْ امْتَحَشُوا فَيُصَبُّ عَلَيْهِمْ مَاءُ الْحَيَاةِ فَيَنْبُتُونَ مِنْهُ كَمَا تَنْبُتُ الْحَبَّةُ فِي حَمِيلِ السَّيْلِ Rasulullah says, He would command the angels to bring out those who had not associated anything with Allah to whom Allah decided to show mercy, those who would say there is no God but Allah. So the ones who believe in La ilaha illallah eventually will be brought out of hellfire. How would the angels know them? Rasulullah says, they, the angels, would recognize them in the fire by the marks of prostration. For hellfire will devour everything of the sons of Adam except the mark of prostration. So hellfire will burn them out, with the exception of the marks of sujood. So dear brothers and sisters, there is an interesting hint in this hadith. Somebody who does not pray, how will the angels find them in hellfire? If they did not have a mark of sujood on them, how will the angels find them in hellfire? So salah is a very serious matter. Even though Rasulullah said that they're going to come out because of La ilaha illallah, but Rasulullah said they used to pray. So salah is serious business. And if somebody does not pray, how will the angels find them out? And then Rasulullah says, Allah has forbidden the fire to consume the marks of prostration. They will be taken out of the fire having been burnt, and the water of life will be poured over them and they would sprout as seed does in the silt carried by the flood. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us of those who will go straight to Jannah, 
We don't want to spend a moment in hellfire. We cannot survive a split of a second in the burning fire. Not a moment. If you cannot put your finger in the worldly fire for a moment, how can your whole body go through this fire of Jahannam and Akhirah? Wallahi, when we go through this description of Jannah, and you see what Allah has given for the people of Jannah, and how happy Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made them, and how bad hellfire is, uh, one thinks about themselves and what they're doing, and it, it really seems as if a person have lost their minds, if they know all of this, and they don't do what they're supposed to do. I mean, the people of hellfire will say, If we had any intelligence or understanding, we wouldn't have been here. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has shown us the truth. See, with, uh, with us Muslims, our situation is that we know the truth. And if we decide not to follow it, that's even riskier. Why are the munafiqeen in the lowest level of hellfire? Because they know the truth more than the kuffar do. And they chose willfully to go against it. You know, when we, when we speak about this issue of eternity, and you'll ask whatever you want, whatever wishes you have will be fulfilled. You're going to enjoy it for all of your life. It makes the enjoyment of this world seem pale. Nothing. So let's get back to our senses. And let's wake up. Jibreel السلام, when he saw Jannah, he said, Oh Allah, I don't understand how someone would know about this and then not do what it takes to get here. And when he saw Hellfire, he said, Oh Allah, I cannot understand how someone would know about this and not do what needs to be done to stay away from it. Jibreel السلام, said, I cannot understand that. Alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam saliman kathira. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless this final evening for us. We spoke about Jannah and we went through a brief tour of paradise. And we imagine that we are there. Now, to get there is not easy. It demands a lot of hard work. It's definitely worth it. But the effort needs to be put in. And none of us, even after the effort, has a guarantee that they will enter into Jannah. Rasulullah has mentioned to us that to get there is we have to go through some obstacles. In Al-Bukhari and Muslim, Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu narrates that Rasulullah said, حجبت النار بالشهوات وحجبت الجنة بالمكاره Rasulullah says, the hellfire is surrounded by all kinds of desires and passions. While paradise is surrounded by all kinds of disliked, undesirable things. The story of this hadith is that when Allah created Jannah and Nar, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told Jibreel السلام, to visit them. So he paid a visit to both. And he came back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he reported his findings. He said, I don't think that anyone will hear about Jannah and not enter it. And I don't think that anyone will hear about fire and not avoid it. 
So Jibreel a.s. was saying that this is so straightforward, so simple, so, com- so much common sense, that all of human beings are going to end up going to Jannah. Nobody is going to hellfire. Well, Jibreel a.s. was told by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to go and visit them again. And this time Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has covered hellfire. So hellfire was uh, wrapped up in shahawat. Shahawat are the desirable things to us, our passions. This is the thing that attracts us to sins. So hellfire, imagine it as a magnet that is pulling you towards it. Rasulullah says that the analogy of me and you is like a person who is in the desert sitting next to a fire, a bonfire. This is a fire that this person has made in the desert to get some heat and light in the desert. And then the insects, bugs, they see this fire and they think that it is light. And they try to enter it. And he is preventing them from doing so. Rasulullah said, and I am holding you by your clothes, pulling you away from hellfire, but you are forcing your ways through. Insects, they see this fire, they think that it is light. And light is good. And all of them want to be close to the source of light. You know, if you have this uh, lamp outside of your house at night, you'll find all of these moths and insects flying around it. They're attracted by the light. Same thing if you have a fire, they can't tell the difference. So this insect will come rushing. It's flying very fast, and it thinks that this is light, but it is fire, and it will go in the fire and burn to death. So Rasulullah is saying, that is what you are doing. We do not know what is good for us, but Rasulullah does. And Rasulullah is saying, not only am I warning you, I am dragging you, I am pulling you by your clothes, and you are releasing yourselves from me and rushing into it. Forcing ourselves to enter into Jahannam. So Jibreel saw hellfire after it was wrapped in these desires and passions. And then he went to Jannah. And he saw that to get to Jannah you have to go through all of these obstacles. So Jannah was surrounded by the disliked things. Jibreel came back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and said, Now I don't think that anybody will make it to Jannah. And I think that all of them will go to hell. An-Nawawi, he comments on this hadith, and I'll read the paragraph, which An-Nawawi, by the way, has the best commentary on Sahih Muslim. He says, هذا من بديع الكلام وفصيحه وجوامعه التي أوتيها صلى الله عليه وسلم من التمثيل الحسن ومعناه لا يوصل الجنة إلا بارتكاب المكاره والنار بالشهوات وكذلك هما محجوبتان بهما فمن هتك الحجاب وصل المحجوب فهتك حجاب الجنة باقتحام المكاره وهتك حجاب النار بارتكاب الشهوات فأما المكاره فيدخل فيها الاجتهاد في العبادة والمواظبة عليها والصبر على مشاقها وكظم الغيظ والعفو والحلم والصدقة والإحسان إلى المسيء والصبر عن الشهوات ونحو ذلك النووي says Hellfire and paradise are covered with a veil and you cannot get to the veil unless you cross the veil. And crossing the veil to get to Jannah is by going through the disliked and difficult things. 
For example, he says, being very active in ibadah, having commitment to ibadah, being patient, not getting angry, being forgiving, having compassion, giving sadaqah, and staying away from the sins. So all of these are the makarah, the difficulties that one has to go through to get to Jannah. We talked uh, earlier about the fact that the people of Jannah will inherit the properties of the people of Hellfire. Everyone, every human being living on the face of the earth has property in Jannah. Because our homeland is Jannah. That's where we are all from. We kind of adopted other homes later on. The land of our birth. We call it as our nation. But we were all from Jannah. We are descendants of Jannah because Adam and Hawa, that is where they were born. In Jannah. So Adam and Hawa, they are from Jannah. And we are their descendants. He is the father of all humanity. So everyone has a place for them in Jannah. If they choose to act and commit sins, they end up going to hellfire and their property will be taken by the few among the son of Adam, sons of Adam who will enter into Jannah. Therefore, you might end up inheriting the property of many people because we know that the population of Jannah compared to the population of hellfire is very minuscule. It's one out of a thousand. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَتِلْكَ الْجَنَّةُ الَّتِي أُورِثْتُمُوهَا بِمَا كُنْتُمْ تَعْمَلُونَ Such will be the garden of which you are made heirs for your good deeds in life. So you are inheriting property in Jannah because of the good deeds. Now, Rasulullah says in Bukhari that the majority of the population of Jannah will be from Al-Du'afa. Rasulullah says, Shall I tell you of the people of paradise? They will comprise every poor, humble person. And if he swears by Allah to do something, Allah will fulfill it. While the people of the fire comprise every violent, cruel, arrogant person. The poor people, in general, tend to be humble. Because they don't have a lot of wealth to distract them, they tend to be more attached to the masajid and the good deeds than others, in general. Therefore, they would make up the lion's share of the population of Jannah. Now, this is not to say that if a person has money, then automatically they will be dismissed from Jannah. Money in itself has nothing to do with where a person will end. It is how it is used. If a person uses money the right way, for the right purpose, because of that added sacrifice, they will end up having a higher status than the poor person in Jannah. Among the ten who were given the glad tidings of Jannah, one can assume that the majority of them were considered to be among the wealthy of a Sahaba. I mean, Abu Bakr al-Siddiq, Umar al-Khattab, were considered to be wealthy Sahaba. And then Uthmar ibn Affan, no doubt, he was one of the wealthiest. Abdul Rahman ibn Auf is one of the ten who are giving the glad tidings. He was the millionaire of his time. The same can be said about Ali bin Abi Talib. He was also wealthy. But uh, they knew how to use their wealth. The problem is, 
when the weakness of a human being takes over and money seduces them and tempts them and takes them away from the straight path. Therefore, because the poor do not have all of these temptations, they tend to be, in general, closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Plus, when a person has a lot of wealth, wealth translates itself into power. When you have money, you have access to a lot of things which others do not have. And this is power. And this would make a person feel that they are self-sufficient. And they do not need outside help even if it is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's exactly what Qarun said. إِنَّمَا أُتِيتُهُ عَلَىٰ عِلْمٍ عَنْدِي And that's why Rasulullah says, Wealth that will make you cross the bounds. A person will feel that طُغْيَان They will be transgressing because of the wealth that they have. So it's very important to have the right understanding when it comes to how wealth affects a person. So Allah says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best what is the best thing for his creation. For some people, wealth is good for them. If Allah makes them poor, that would corrupt them. And for some people, poverty is good for them. And if Allah makes them wealthy, that will corrupt them. And for some people, health is good for them. And if Allah makes them ill, that will corrupt them. And for some people, illness is good for them. And if Allah makes them healthy, it will corrupt them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who created them, and He knows what is best for them. For further information, please contact Al-Bashir Publications and Translations at 1-877-745-3330 or 303-574-0095. Our fax number is 303-373-0943 or visit our website at www.albashir.com. That's www.al dash b-a-s-h-e-e-r dot com you can also write to our address at 10515 east 40th avenue suite 108 denver colorado 80239-3264 please proceed to the next cd